Welcome to the Defender Podcast, a resource to help mobilize and equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. This podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, and I'm your host, Herbie Newell. It's Wednesday, February the 1st, 2023, and Dr. Rick and I are coming to you from Birmingham, Alabama, where today we are joined by Ann Mara Hinton, and we are so grateful to have her come, uh, one with just the litany of experience that she brings to the subject. But today, we're going to talk about a fun t- topic. We're going to talk about play and the power of play, and especially how that affects our children, and especially their ability to learn, their ability to grow. And a lot of what Amar has worked on and with our team through Bridge and other educational services is helping our kids who especially are coming from hard places or maybe have, you know, some, some different styles of learning, be able to learn, to grow, and ultimately to reach their potential. And so we are going to be joined by Amara Hinton and Amara joined our team uh, in August of 2018 and serves as the education specialist. She brings with her over 25 years of teaching experience in a variety of different settings and with a variety of different disabilities. She loves to learn and is constantly looking for new ways to help build a bridge from frustration to hope alongside families in need. She's a certified cognitive development therapist and has earned her master's and undergraduate degree in special education. She's originally from Madisonville, Tennessee, uh, and she headed to the University of Tennessee because she couldn't get in anywhere else and earned her master's degree in special education. Amar is a wife and mom of three, and she loves spending time with them. In her free time, she loves anything outside, running, cycling, hiking, and children. And Amara loves the heart that Lifeline's team has. She loves the attention to scripture and the gospel that's seen in the leadership. And the team at Lifeline feels like a family to Amara. And one thing that you need to know about Amara is my family and I were actually in Columbia in the summer of 2018. And my wife was talking to Amara in the front of an Uber, and I and my three kids were in the back of the Uber. And she said, Hey, we just hired someone else at Lifeline. This, my wife said this, like, Oh, really? Well, that's great. Uh, and that was Amara. And so uh, had our, she's helped our family family. She's helped so many families and we're grateful to have her. But before we bring on Ann Mara and of course the infamous Dr. Rick, I want to remind you of our pro-life action. Uh, Just last month, had the opportunity to be in Washington, D.C. for the Stand for Life conference, the March for Life. Uh, Got to speak with so many different groups, including Students for Life and so many national pro-life groups. And we're navigating an ever-changing world where Roe v. Wade, the judicial precedence that was started uh, in 1973, has been overturned by the Dobbs v. Jackson case. However, it doesn't mean that our advocacy for life has to stop. As a matter of fact, we want to stand for life as we use our hands and feet to care for women, babies, and children. And there are so many ways to demonstrate our pro-life care as individuals and churches. So we want to host information tables. We want to invite you to be a financial partner. We want to invite you to mentor at-risk families families and youth. There's so many opportunities for you to take a stand for life as the new pro-life generation. So visit lifelinechild.org backslash engage dash your dash church. That's a mouthful. Lifelinechild.org backslash engage dash your dash church. Or the easiest way is to look for the links in our show notes. I know this is the time that everybody looks forward to, the time where we get to bring in the infamous Dr. Rick. I mean, people usually stand in line to talk to this man, and you get to hear him for free on a podcast. How you doing, Dr. Rick? I'm great. I, I'm just glad I didn't have to do the read for that uh, for that promo and, and didn't have to go through that 
you know, given that URL. So I feel like that may be the most challenging thing we do all day is uh, is trying to get that. Go to the show notes. You can find it there. It's foolproof. Why do we even say the link? I don't know. I don't know. I think because we like to torture ourselves. So, um, but we do. We like to have a lot of fun, right? That's that's part of. Um, and I think even as we were talking about the, you know, the sanctity of human life and and the idea of honoring life, that part of that is God has wired us to play. God has wired us for. In, you know, for recreation and for enjoyment, but a lot of play has purpose. And uh, and somebody that has taught me a whole lot more about that is uh, is Ann Mara. And so we uh, you know we love it when uh, when we see her coming because that usually means we're going to play games and be silly and learn something all at the same time. And uh, and so and people may have missed it, but I played with her in her bio because she's a Tennessee fan and right. went to Tennessee. And of course, as many people know, I'm an Alabama fan and you're a Mississippi State fan. Oh, and so, here we go. you know, there's that that animosity between the SEC I do, rivals. I do want to point out, though, that if I'm if I'm looking at our mixer board right now, your channel is as orange as it could be, brother. <laughs> <laughs> like, and it's like a good Tennessee, really like uh, cream, creamsicle orange. So, um, oh, real tight. <laughs> But Anmara, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about about purpose of play. Yeah, yeah, I love it. It's a great conversation. So, uh, and I love how you guys have already begun the conversation, <laughs> and I can even see some of your play personalities popping out even as 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 you talk here. So, um, but I will say um, uh, that I my my goal here today is to kind of hijack this mm. this. Uh, this podcast a little bit to get you guys to talk a little bit more about how you play. Uh-oh. Uh, so I want to I want to jump in and just ask you just kind of as a little intro how how do you play Herbie? Like what uh, what if you had to think about your earliest memory of playing when you were a child even uh, what would you what would you say that is? Well, you know, you've asked a dangerous question to two people because <laughs> you're talking to two only children. Right who didn't have natural built-in playmates. Um, I mean, I think probably Dr. Rick would answer similarly. There's a lot of imagination Absolutely. with where we had to play because typically you were by yourself a lot. 100%. I, you know, I remember um, part, of, part of play always involved kind of dressing up and, and taking on a role and, and like being some kind of character because like you didn't have other people around to take on you know roles and personalities and things like that so you kind of had to right. you know you kind of had to do it for yourself and and uh yeah. that was that was part of part of the deal mm -hmm. yeah and you know i might have talked to your wife earlier today oh about uh, a little story of play oh my. and how you do use your imagination when you were, were growing up because mm -hmm. you were an ice skater Yes, right. I was. That's yeah. true. And so she may have told me a few stories about those days. And, and also... Feel free to retell those yeah, stories. Yeah. Well, <laughs> one I just really loved was that um, she actually said your dad learned to skate just so he could spend time with you on the ice. He really did. And that was actually like, that's come home and kind of come full circle because yeah. you guys know, and uh, the, the folks that are listening aren't aware, but we're, we're in a season now where my granddaughter is learning to skate. And I had this really crazy, you know, kind of intersection of, of phases of life happened last week. I'm watching her in her first ice skating lesson and had the moment where I realized that my dad was three years older than I am right now as a grandfather. Wow. Learning to skate for the first time. 
And so it kind of took all the excuses out about, you know, like getting a pair of skates and getting out there with her and, and beginning to engage. And, and we're, um, so like we have a play date scheduled for, for Saturday. Um, this Saturday, we're she's spending the night with us Friday night, and we're going to the ice rink on Saturday, and we're going to be out on the ice together and just goofing around and you know playing on skates. I mean, wow! Talk about building connection, yeah, right? right? I mean, and when we do talk about play, I mean, what we do know about play is that it builds connection, it builds regulation. We know that it builds. Uh, it builds um, just so many different pieces in the brain. And, you know, I love the brain kind of <laughs> side of things. But, I mean, I love this book by Dr. Stuart uh, Brown. He says it's called Play. And uh, the subtitle is How It Shapes the Brain, Opens the Imagination, and Invigorates the Soul. Um, so um, so I just I just love uh, that, that idea of how it does build connection, which is so important to us. Uh, from what we get to do every day. So Herbie, uh, you know, and talking to Ashley as well, uh, she she mentioned something to me is just how she loves to watch how you play with your kids. Mm. Like because you grew up as an only child, she did say it would be hard to kind of really pull out a story mm. about what you did. But she did say that she loves watching how you've engaged with your kids over time. So when you think about your kids and you've got all, you know, three different kids, mm. like how, how do you play with your kids? Yeah, I mean, I think really taking any cues that they have. I mean, certainly, you know, I think one of the things we did even recently, and of course they're 18, 15, and 13, so not young anymore, but, you know, our youngest, you know, really has wanted to play laser tag and that she'd got. So mama was gone. We turned the lights off in the house mm -hmm. and teamed up and played laser tag. And, you know, just anything to be together uh, to create camaraderie right. and, and really just uh, – to take the cues from them of what, what, what's fun for them yeah. and making sure, as you know, three kids, they all have different things they want to do, right. but teaching them even how to think not of themselves, but to allow themselves to play in the way that one of their siblings would want to as well. Right. So it's building attachment. That's right. And, right. And, and a mm -hmm. sense of safety because their connection. And when we think about trauma-informed care, we think about felt safety. Mm -hmm. We think about connection. We think about how it regulates us everything that play can do and uh, I just I just think that's great she mentioned that uh, your youngest was uh, recently outside and everybody wanted to take a day to kind of read a book and kind of veg a little bit and she was like uh-uh we're going to have a snowball fight build a snowman and she had a plan mm -hmm. and everybody engaged in it and had a great time mm -hmm. uh, but it was that engagement of play well Dr. Brown he talks about the brain. He, he uses a definition to describe the pl uh, play. And he says it's a play is a state of mind that one has when absorbed in an activity that provides enjoyment and a suspension of sense of time. And play is self-motivated, so you want to do it again and again and again. Mm -hmm. And so I just, I just really think um, that is neat. Another piece of that, though, is he also talks about how we all have more a, a dominant play personality. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, and it's just kind of how to how to engage. One of the biggest things that I hear when we talk about play with our families and our and our our kids is, hey. I don't know how to play mm. or mm. I don't have time to play. Mm. Mm -hmm. And so even in talking to Ashley earlier, you know, she was like, I'm not sure that that's all what we wanted to do was go out and have a snowball mm -hmm. fight, but we did. And it took like five minutes or 10 minutes. And then we were able to engage 
in, in other activities, mm-hmm. you know. And so, so when you think about like a dominant play personality, I've heard imagination, mm-hmm. storyteller. I've heard jokes, obviously, in the mm-hmm. last like beginning. <laughs> uh, so I've heard, um, you know, I've heard those different pieces. Um, so when you think of like how to, you know, play with. Um, in the workplace what what does play look like in the workplace and is there a place for play in the workplace what do y'all think oh for sure yeah Yeah. you know i think it it's we're we're probably reluctant to talk about that a little bit just because it it's like that's not serious enough right like it's but why do we have to be serious all the time right you know we and i think in you know even in what in what we all do and what we engage in in ministry, there's enough serious around us all the time. Mm-hmm. And so for us to, to, to be able to have some lighthearted moments, for us to be able to kind of, you know, tease and be playful with each other in the way we go, you know, go about our day, it really diffuses a ton of the, you know, just the weight of the stuff that mm-hmm. we walk around and the things that we're in and the stuff that we carry every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll, you know, I'll, I'll say this and I'm, I'm looking at my, at my bro over here. And it, <laughs> like one of the things that I love even about working with Herbie and his, his leadership is that in the midst of sometimes really some, you know, very intense kind of things, we always find a little bit of a way to, you know, to make light of things. And, and, and it's usually about us. Mm-hmm. It's usually, you know, it's usually self-deprecating and it's usually <laughs> not taking our, you know, ourselves too seriously. But I think, I think sometimes you can just, you can get so caught up in this, you know, the, the importance and the seriousness of everything to, to remember that um, part of being playful is, is remembering that there is some foolishness in this as well. God's God's using our foolishness, and He's using, mm-hmm. you know, our frailty to to accomplish incredible things. And mm-hmm. um, and when we can stop and laugh at ourselves, or, or we can stop and have a light moment, that's a that's a pretty cool acknowledgement of that. Right. Yeah. yeah. I think the big thing, especially in a ministry, I think it's important one that you not take yourselves too seriously, but two, there's there's a spiritual principle to it as well. Mm-hmm. You know, kids have the freedom more than adults at times to play because they realize someone else is going to pay the bills. Someone else is going to make sure that we have food on the table. They're not having to worry about the day in and day out things. And I think in a ministry, there's a spiritual principle, even at some of the hardest moments to laugh, knowing that, yeah, we have a responsibility, but ultimately we serve a king that's sovereign and in control. And he's the one that, that takes care of the right. things. Yeah. He's gone before. That's right. And he's gone right. behind us. So mm-hmm. he knows exactly. 100%. What yeah. Well, uh, you know, in my world with uh, with Bridge and in education in the classroom, we know uh, Dr. Karen Purvis, we love her. You know, she made a statement that it takes 400 repetitions to create a new synapsis in the brain unless it's done through play Hmm. in which case it takes about 10 to 20 repetitions Mm -hmm. so that really hit me as like i love you know i love Mm -hmm. the games and some of that i think is because i feel like it is actually a way to strengthen you know strengthen the brain and different things like that so well i think you'd agree doc right i mean both coming from youth ministry Mm -hmm. backgrounds you know, I think if you're intentional with students, even teaching them spiritual principles, mm-hmm. you oh, read sure. the word, you give analogy of the word, and then you put it into action right. through a game. Right. You know, right. 
and we both came from youth ministry backgrounds where it wasn't just <laughs> dirty, silly games, but it was games with a purpose. Games with a purpose yeah. that were fun right. and just as silly. But at the end of that game, you could go back and say, now we did this to illustrate this. And it always would put that spiritual principle in the heart and the mind of, of students. Well, I, I remember even, you know, like going back to seminary and I think about um, Paula Stringer, who was one of my professors in seminary, who taught children's ministry and, and childhood education. And one of the things Paula said over and over and over to us mm -hmm. was, um, for kids, play is their work. Right. Like that, that is, and, and that's how, that's how God's created us mm -hmm. so that play, you know, does wire our brain. It does help us to, you know, learn how to be at home in the body that God's given us and all this, you know, all this mm -hmm. stuff. And so, you know, it, rather than thinking in terms of, Hey, let's, let's get serious with our kids, and, you know, or, or let's get serious in ministry situations. Mm -hmm. Sometimes the, the, like the greatest pathway is, mm -hmm. is through, you know, play and simulation. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. 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 Well, so I've got, um, I've got this little survey here that I gave both of you guys back in September, I think. Rick, I don't know that you ever got yours back to me, Rick, but I do know that Herbie did. And um, so uh, we've got the, the eight, you know, our eight dominant play personalities mm -hmm. not it's not that you can't play in all these different areas it's just where you're more dominant player and so i'm just going to read through them um and then i'm just going to ask you about a couple people you know even here in the office mm -hmm. like how what do you think their play personality is what's their dominant and i want everybody you know to be thinking hey what's my dominant play personality so we've got the joker jokers love nonsense you know silly sounds being foolish they are drawn to being playing physical jokes and telling jokes that kind of thing you've got the kinesthetic that's you know movement it's not necessarily competitive but it's more you like to move mm -hmm. I, I, I'm gonna go ahead and tell you this is me um, I like games but I don't have to like have the competition it's not required uh, then we've got the Explorer. Those are, you know, provoking the imagination, like you guys were mentioning before. You know, you're creative. It doesn't have to only just be through travel. You can do it through books. You've got the competitor. That's pretty self-explanatory. You guys are on your way to a game, you know, tonight, <laughs> I hear. Yeah, and so I don't think they're playing the balls. Sorry. And uh, although we're doing, doing pretty good in basketball. Uh, then you got the director. Uh, and directors are enjoy planning and executing plans. They like to be the power of the organizer. Unfortunately, this is not me. Uh, the collector. Now, this is an interesting one to me. Uh, the collector likes to collect things. So the illustration that I heard or read about was um, this boy that he, he actually went to a baseball game with his dad. He got a ball with his dad. They were, you know, connected. And now he collects baseballs you know because it's a way that he can connect with his dad who's no longer with him and then we've got the artist and the creator they love the craft room you know mm -hmm. they love we can all kind of put our kids in these categories too we've got the storyteller they love to tell a story I, I enjoy this I like a good story you know and to be able to tell a good story mm -hmm. so kind of when you think about that we'll start it out easy we'll start with some people that we know like Jay Leno if you had to think about Jay Leno, like where do you think he would fall in one of those categories? What what play personality do you think is his more dominant play personality? Um, for sure, Joker. So I'm gonna go out of left field, collector. You are correct. Yeah. Job because he likes to collect what? Cars. Yep. Exactly. Tons and tons and tons yeah. of classic cars. That's right. Yeah. Yes. Uh, easy one, Steven Spielberg. 
What do you oh, think about that? Definitely a jokester, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> the director or the storyteller. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he's a strong storyteller. Yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah, and a director. Uh, uh, Jerry, Spring, Jerry Springer. Not Jerry Springer. <laughs> Jerry, Jerry Seinfeld. <laughs> Jerry Springer would be a good one. Though. I wish I wish this had been a video episode of the podcast. If you'd just seen our faces, yeah. Who? Who? What? Yeah, what? All right. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's dating a little bit. Okay. The Joker. <laughs> Joker. Yeah. yeah. There you go. And Oprah. Oprah. Where would she be? It's more your speed, Doctor Rick. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I. I really don't know. Director. She's director all okay. the way. Okay. Yep. And Tom Brady. The competitor. Yeah, yes. For yeah. sure. So, okay, think about the office here at Lifeline. We have a great team of people, a great, and it takes an army, right? Mm -hmm. It takes us all coming together. And so, um, Rick, if you had to think about Clifton, Clifton, what does Clifton do here at Lifeline? Uh, he's our development uh, or advancement VP. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, if you had to think of Clifton, where, where would you put him in these categories? Wow. Um, he's really a pretty big jokester yeah. honestly mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah he's yeah. like he's always uh, yeah he's right. he's always quick-witted and and always kind of keeping things stirred up right yeah. yeah yeah how about uh carla herbie where do you think carla would fall as far as thinking of her the way in which she engages in play like even in the workplace at home you know i don't know yeah. wow yeah you're uh yeah <laughs> you're putting us on a on a limb <laughs> here spot. yeah how well do you know your um yeah so i would i would probably put carla i mean i know she likes to explore she does like to do new places right um yeah you know i think probably a lot of people don't know she she does like to create things so mm -hmm. i could see her in the artist creator yeah space yeah, yeah and she's she actually uh, identified herself more as a, a director hmm. too yeah huh. yeah so uh it's, it's just really interesting so it's kind of fun it's just a fun thing to do it's not necessarily you know that you can't do these other things it's just kind of where you like to find yourself and where you mm -hmm. find joy mm -hmm. you know in doing that so um like i know that one thing that we you know we know I'll, I'll come back to this all the time even with my families is what you know what do we know about play well we know play disarms fear we know it builds connection we know it stimulates nerve growth we know it is kind of the fertilizer for for brain growth we know it builds attunement and attachment it impacts learning and memory and we know it builds that felt safety and connection and regulation and so um here's a question that i get some is you know what's the difference between unstructured play and and structured play hmm. so if you kind of had to think about that a little bit um the way i do the way i define it is unstructured play is just freedom mm -hmm. you're just outside when i was mm -hmm. growing up i remember my parents would send us in the backyard my brothers and i would go mm -hmm. in the woods i did have two brothers that were close in age we built forts mm -hmm. we played army we 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 crossed over the alligator pit i mean we did all kinds mm -hmm. of things you know together out in those woods and that's more of an unstructured mm -hmm. play and then you have a structured play that's going to be more like your games and you know and, and your your more competitive sports mm -hmm. and that kind of thing even a, even a playground is a sense of a structured play uh, one of the other things we learned is that kids today in schools 
only get maybe 15 minutes mm. of unstructured play mm, mm, mm. and what that does to the brain mm. when they don't have that opportunity mm-hmm. to, to play outside. So it's, it, it, it play does so much for us. It's great. So thanks for playing, playing <laughs> along <laughs> <laughs> on uh, the idea of what play is and how it helps to stimulate that growth. I think, you know, it, it's interesting to, I think, to think about that whole tension between structured and unstructured play. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I've, I've wondered, and so this is maybe a, this is out of left field, okay, total, but a, but a topic of conversation. With the pressure that we feel to have our kids involved in organized sports and organized, you know, recreational activities and and all of those kind of things and and so kids are not getting unstructured play in school Mm -hmm. they're a lot of times not getting it at home because we're we're scared of the social circle and and like how far they you know how far they can go and where they can be Mm -hmm. and so our default is to put kids in really highly structured kinds of environments um mr from like a brain development perspective mm-hmm. talk about talk about what we lose when kids don't have unstructured play yeah so uh, you know it's really interesting um, I listened actually to another podcast on that very thing and how when we have an unstructured play we have a larger field of of a view to, to mm-hmm. pull things from you know so if you're out in the mountains you're you know you're seeing the whole picture and but when you have a more structured play you're more targeted your focus is more targeted Mm -hmm. and so you don't you really want more of a balance of that Mm -hmm. and the brain needs that balance Mm -hmm. just like our you know our left and our right eye needs to be balanced you know to be able to read you know those kind of things we want the same thing with Mm -hmm. play is to be able to pull from both of those fields Mm -hmm. that 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 big field and then that targeted field so we can have a our brains can be more balanced Mm -hmm. and so i think it's important for both interesting kids with um that struggle with adhd tend to have a large field to pull from but they have a very hard time targeting, bringing it in, focusing mm-hmm. attention. Mm-hmm. And so what you really want to they may see a bear in the distance and then all of a sudden see a bird, you know, flying by. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm back to focused on that bear in the distance. Mm-hmm. You know, look at that bear, how, how fast is he going to get over here? Mm-hmm. You know, and mm-hmm. so it's interesting to kind of find that balance between that field and then that target uh, focus when it comes to play. And just uh, also just what the brain does, the vitamin D of being outside. Mm-hmm. Let's talk just, just for a minute about playing outside, what that does to our brains and the chemicals and that vitamin D that we're getting and how it helps that growth and stimulates that growth as well too. So it's important. What are ways, I think, especially as families that might be listening to this have brought kids from, from hard places or maybe even different cultures. So for instance, I have dear friends who were, um, living abroad, uh, sharing good news of, of the gospel in a, in a country in East Asia, let's say. And in that country, there's so many characters to learn that their neighbors were critical of them because their kids were playing so much. Mm. And yet in this East Asian country, you know, pretty much by the time you were two, you were already starting to learn characters. There's no time to play. So I think cultural differences come into 
play. Of course, obviously, you've got institutionalization and those types of things. How can parents, because we're talking about the importance of play, try to help teach their kids how to play who may have come from a hard place or a culture where play is not valued or even seen as you know, a, a waste of time? Yeah, I think you really start out small. You start out with those little baby steps. First, you engage. Mm. It's that connection piece, right? Mm-hmm. You got to connect. We've got to uh, to to create that connection between mom and dad, or your caregiver and and child. And in doing that, again, everybody plays. You just may not know how they play. Mm. So even if they're doing those little characters. Mm-hmm. They, there is, you're looking, you're being intentional mm-hmm. about finding how they connect through, through play. So it may be in how they're drawing those characters and you may mm-hmm. find out you've got an artist, mm-hmm. you know? And so then let's bring, let's, let's pull that out in them. Let's call out those things in them that you see in those, in those moments. Um, and so then also, I mean, there are a variety of just simple little games that are actually educational, you know, and can appear to be very building that academic core in kids that are really, that's what we do with brain games, right? Is we we play games that are strengthening that academic core, but you're actually playing that game and strengthening that cognitive core too. And so, you know, pull out a game where they're gonna be able to play spotted, uh, play a processing game, you know, mm-hmm. but I think in all of that, the importance is is that you've connected with them and you've taken the time to do it. Uh, you're not just putting them in front of a screen <laughs> or you're not um, just expecting somebody else to do that for you, to intentionally look for how they play. You're intentionally looking for ways to engage with your child mm. so and pull out that dominant play personality. So if we're kind of digging into that and just going a little further, because mm-hmm. those those folks that are listening that know, you know, kind of the three pillars of trauma-informed uh, engagement, trauma-informed care, yeah. connecting, next thing is empowering, yeah. right? Right. And and so like, so talk a little bit about how, how we bring empowerment to our kids mm-hmm. when, when we help them to learn how to play. Oh, yeah. Definitely. I mean, for me, from a science side of it, from a, you know, a brain science piece of it is you are strengthening those places in the brain that connect to learning Mm -hmm. and to memory. And so by when you do those, when you're playing, whether that's some kind of movement, whether that's doing jumping jacks, <laughs> whether that is a sensory, making a sensory ball with your, or a, you know, a, or a lavender sachet or something with your senses, or whether that's sitting down to play one of these blink games or spot it or doing a puzzle or something like that, you are, you are connecting, you are helping them to know how to regulate, and, and you're creating that sense of safety that because again, you're playing, there's not this expectation that you gotta make an A or you've got some kind of um, expectation that you gotta meet. You know, so you're creating, you're using, you're empowering that brain to mm. towards strength and healing and growth. And that's just, I mean, that's exciting. I mean, when you think about what the brain can do through play. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so I would I would take it and you know run with it. I mean, like enjoy it that you're actually having mm. God's opened up this door. He's given us 21st century science, and He's given us the I mean 21st century science in in my world has like 
is catching up to God's wise design of how mm-hmm. he create. He's created us to be image bearers, right? Image bearers, mm-hmm. we love that word. Mm-hmm. You know, that's who we are. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it's just exciting to see that he is allowing mm-hmm. us to do these things to kind of to promote that health and growth mm-hmm. and that growing, healing, the healing power of games. Healing power of games. Maybe that's the next one. <laughs> Maybe that's your book. Yeah, uh, yeah well. Mm-hmm. Hmm. That's <laughs> But, you know, as, as we kind of wind up, I, I think um, for parents that are out there that are saying, hey, I, I like I buy into this. I, I think, you know, I want to be purposive in, in the way that I play. What would, how do you figure out your child's, you know, dominant preferred way of playing? How do you what's what's the best way for a parent to, to yeah. start learning that and then, you know, beginning to lean into it? Yeah. Just watch what they love to do. Mm. You know, just watch. Be intentional. Be intentional and be present. I mean, pursue what you see that they like mm-hmm. to do. I mean, Herbie mentioned a little while ago, he looks to see his, what his kids enjoy, and then he, he speaks into that. Mm-hmm. And it may not be something he enjoys, mm-hmm. but he's going to speak into that, and he's going to look for that. And it may be different with all your kids. And, um, and so just taking the time to be present and pursue your kids is, I would say, is, is 99% of the way in which you find out how how your kids play right. yeah and i think i mean just even as we close i think the encouraging thing is as we start to love another person we want to learn more about that person and mm. you know i think all three of us would agree there are things our spouse likes that we probably didn't really like that much when we first <laughs> got married mm-hmm. but we would probably now go to say you know I've, I've learned to like it too um mm-hmm. because i want to spend time with that person and i think as we're intentional with our kids we start to lean in even when you know that wasn't what i thought i was going to do today but you realize that you're creating opportunities for attachment and ultimately to disciple and to encourage. And so we're grateful. Uh, certainly, if anyone wants more information or wants to get more information on Bridge Educational Services or to connect with a tutor or with Ann Mara, you can always go to our, our website at lifelinechild.org. Again, our show notes will have more information on how you can connect with Ann Mara on, and her team. But we're just always grateful for the ways we get to have these conversations and Intentionally on the Defender podcast. And so for the infamous, venerable Dr. Rick, uh, we're signing off and we will see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Defender podcast. If you enjoy making this podcast a part of your weekly routine, we'd love for you to take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the Defender podcast to make it easier for more people to find. For more information on how you and your church can partner with Lifeline, visit us at lifelinechild.org. If you want to connect with me, please visit HerbieNewell.com. Follow us at Lifeline on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at LifelineChild.org. Beloved, will you allow God to use the gospel through you to impact the life of a child? Please contact us because we are here to defend the fatherless. We'll see you again next week for the Defender Podcast.